0: Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm so happy to have met another friend online. Today we have Vernon Harris. Welcome Vernon to the show. How are you?
1: Thank you very much Nelia. I am very well thank you and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast.
0: Oh you're very welcome. As soon as I heard you speak I was like I need to send this gentleman an invitation because I really love how passionate you are about the topics we're going to be talking about today. So I want to let you guys know, we're going to jump right in, you know, no small talk. I just want to know, I want, at the end of this episode, I want you guys to reach out to me and tell me what you've learned, because this is going to be a very important topic today. So Vernon Harris, he is an intuitive, transformational therapist. He uses his intuition to help people like me and like you free ourselves from anxiety, from weight, and from addiction. As a a former teacher of 18 years, he quickly realized that by stepping out of the educational system, he could better coach and mentor individuals. I'm One of the things I'm going to ask Vernon today is how, how do we use intuition, but we're not there yet. He uses therapeutic tools also such as hypnotherapy, psychotherapy, NLP, and counseling to empower and transform people's lives. When Vernon is not working, he is practicing Tai Chi, meditation, and walking in nature. Welcome Vernon, I am so happy that you are sharing the microphone for me with me today
1: thank you very much for for having me on thank you
0: so on this show we like to bring experts like you and genuine people we don't have anybody I've never so I've interviewed over 200 guests and I have not had one person which has not been genuine who has not been heart-centered I'm very choosy and I can tell right away who I'm bringing onto the show (laughs) So one of the things that I love to do on this podcast is really take people through a journey of where we've come from, and where we are now, so that people can feel a little bit less alone, so they can feel that we get it. We're not just, you know, reading books and coming on here and teaching and talking. We've actually been through some things that have brought us here. And I think that just makes everybody feel closer together and just to get to know you as a human being a little bit better so vernon tell me who you are on a basic level as a human
1: who am i as a bit on a basic level um i'm a father been i've been a a husband twice i'm now single (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i've enjoyed my life i've enjoyed every minute of my life with ups and downs and there's been many um as i said i i came from the caribbean age nine landed in a country that was cold <laughs> imagine the effect of coming here age nine in a short pair of short trousers and short sleeve shirt it was quite a shock so that sets its own trauma mm. and then finding myself in those kind of situations yeah and then coming coming to a a, a mother who i hadn't seen for a number of years and finally, I had other brothers and see. so it there was all those emotional farmers to deal with the different country, the different situation. and then in being a, in a, in, a, in a situation where you felt like you were dealing with this by yourself because mm. there was you couldn't really turn to anyone else. Your mom didn't quite understand everything that was going on inside of you. You didn't quite know how to explain it. so you just had to muddle through. And many, many years later, those same things have helped me to become the person I am today. So uh, I, I don't look back and regret anything that's happened to me now, because I've actually analyzed those situations. And that's one thing I like to do is to analyze things that's happened to me and find the positive energy within them and what way they're moving forward to. So I'm always looking to progress forward.
0: That's beautiful. I love when somebody is looking to learn about themselves. It's so very important. And so I just, I want to ask, how did you get into this this business, this life of meditation, of intuition, of peaceful living? Like, how did did this come about?
1: The easiest thing I can say is that I fell into it. It's almost like I believe we're divinely guided. And I moved from from Leeds up in Yorkshire down to London, where my first marriage fell apart. Um, But in that process, through that marriage, I also realized that there was something not right in myself, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Now, back in the 70s, you wouldn't expect somebody like me to go to a hypnotherapist. Right. It It was an unheard of situation. But I did around 75. I went to see a hypnotherapist. He used to smoke between 20 to 30 cigarettes a day as well. So I went to him for two reasons. I didn't know who I was. Mm. So I went to him and he says, what was wrong with me? Can you help me? He did. And a few years later, I did give up smoking, but it was with his help. I also realized at that point that hypnotherapy And that kind of work had a benefit and could help people who wasn't able to see their own problems. And as I've gone along in time, I've learned a lot more. Then after having a second marriage and coming out of that, I ended up teaching. Mm. That was possibly one of the best things for me is I enjoyed enlightening people, watching those kids coming out of their exam and saying they've achieved their results or having the kids come up to me and say, thank you, because they know that I made a difference in their life. So, so spent after 18 years of teaching, and then I started, the system in the UK started to go downhill in my books. Hmm. Kids wasn't being taught anymore. They were just given exams and says, study those past exams. That's not educating. That's not teaching people to be thinkers or to be, um, entrepreneurs or people who want to go out there and achieve things they're just learning to regurgitate stuff and memorize things so I decided to get out of it because in that process of time I'd done five years of training as a therapist psychotherapist done elements of NLP and counseling all rolled into one so 2008 I thought had enough walked away from teaching and started my therapy work because I felt I could do much better if I educated and I helped the adults so that they can help the children.
0: I love that for so many reasons, but when you, when you say that, I think of two things. So the first is that you were being the person you were missing at nine years old, because do you know what I mean? Like the teachers, the the community member somebody to help guide you through that feeling of wow I'm in a new place I'm not used to this thing so many things are different around me as a nine-year-old boy and it's like you're now playing that role for somebody which I love and respect so much and the other thing I heard you say was just to remind us that education is teaching people how to be thinkers teaching outside the box and so so many times education becomes something that is regurgitated over and over despite the changes that are really happening around us and despite the changes at, in the society, like it doesn't move with it. And I don't necessarily know that it's intentional. I think it's just a lot of people going through
1: the system, going through,
0: and it gets stale.
1: I, my personal views on that is that the system has developed on a process of creating workers Mm. that is to me is what the educational system is aimed at is creating people that it's only the extraordinary people who think you get the odd people and most of those extraordinary people have not even completed their full education a lot of the main big people they've left education or the, the mainstream education They've left school, you know, Ford's, Henry Ford. Yeah. And things like that. They did not go through the whole school process, but yet you look at what they've achieved. So I think they've, they, they realized that education system was important. And to me, that's why I say the educational system wants changing mm-hmm. worldwide. Because things like meditation is not taught in school. Yeah. So And to me, meditation is a fundamental process of getting people in touch with themselves yes that is one of the reasons why i used to run little meditation groups here and stuff like that in my early years when i, I got into a, I think into spiritual uh, development after i started doing martial arts way back uh, mm-hmm. in the 1980s but I, I got into martial arts because i had a very angry part of myself And most people believe martial arts is about fighting. Mm. I actually say to people, martial arts isn't about fighting. It's about knowing yourself. Mm. And letting go, right? Exactly. And that was what I found, that the more I actually learned that, and that's when my spiritual side started to develop. I started to connect to a part of me that wasn't external. I could sense how a person was feeling even without, just by their words, their body language, their, the way they came across. That's why now I can actually do stuff or I can work with clients on Zoom, mm. because I can feel their energy from through the Zoom channel. It's almost like I connect to them on a level where I can feel where they're at. And it's, I saw a client who suddenly went from being there, he stood up, sat up straight just for my some of the instructions i gave him and he came out then it was like he was a different person sitting in front of me Mm. that's the kind of energy and that's the kind of thing that can when you connect with somebody from the heart yeah you can feel your heart connect to their heart you can feel everything within them and you can help them to lift that because at the end of the day to me the conscious mind is like the top part of an iceberg the unconscious mind that controls all our programs you know you, you, you got a computer you put a program in it and it does what it's told <laughs> the difference with a human being is that our programming you hear a lot of people says i don't know why i did something the only reason they don't know is because they're not consciously aware of what's controlling them and so many people live their life like a robot They sit there and all they do is regurgitate things because most people programs are set between the age of zero to ten. Your foundation, everything you live on as you grow older, that's where your foundation is, zero to ten. So
0: Vernon, sorry, when somebody lives like that on autopilot, I know what this is like because I did it for a long time and I was miserable. And I think a lot of people live on autopilot. And so they don't live their authentic life. Every day looks the same. What, what do you think is the biggest change when someone decides to stop doing that? Like, how can their life become different?
1: Funny enough, the, one of the biggest thing a person can do is to just change one simple thing in their life. To do something different. Mm. An example of what I'm actually talking about was a gentleman who went to see my, uh, my supervisor. Now he had a thing. He came in front door, put his bag down, went straight to the drinks, and he ended up. My supervisor said, "Have you got a back door in one of his sessions?" And he says, "Tell you what we do next time you come home, don't go to the front door. Go through the back door." And that simple, single little change made a massive difference to his habit of drinking. Wow! And it, 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 and sometimes people think it's big things because they think it's going to be dramatic. It's a simple little changes that we make, and once we make those things habitual other things will start to fall into place. Yes, sometimes we need help. And that's where people like myself come in. Because if it's too big a situation, mm-hmm. they might need a bit of guidance to help themselves make the different, make those changes. So that's why I call myself an intuitive mm-hmm. transformational therapist.
0: <laughs> I love it. And I love that you shared that story. For me, I would, if I took a certain way home from work, I passed by the donut place, you know, and like, I'm going to start taking a different route home (laughs) and actually got me home quicker. And it was such a small thing. But at the end of the week, I'm like, I didn't stop for a donut today. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I completely agree. It's the small things that don't take a lot of effort. Sometimes when things take a lot of effort, we
1: stop. And that is the point. If you have to put effort into something, you're always going to have the what I call the ego mind mm. telling you, you shouldn't do that. You mustn't do that. And you the thing is to me, the ego, we all need the ego. Because ego is about being able to live in this on this planet as well. But the mind that really is important is the little mind that speaks to you that tells you there's something, there's a problem down there, or there's a situation, there's not a major voice, it's just a feeling. Mm. You may be walking down the road and all of a sudden you get a feeling to turn right instead of keep going straight. And those little feelings, we ignore them. And then you walk down the road and something happens, you think, well, why didn't I go that way? It's true. It's, it's listening scary. to those little voices and they're so subtle. And because the ego is so noisy, most people ignore those little subtle messages and those little subtle voices that comes in. And that's why when I work with clients, I give them a a sub, I will create subliminal recordings for them to actually play. Mm. Because their conscious mind isn't listening, but their subconscious mind or their deeper mind is always listening. So this is where subliminal information is very important. You work with a client get the right kind of information that they desire that they need you create a I create a recording for them and they then play that recording and it gets fed to their straight to their subconscious it bypass their conscious mind mm. which is to me is, a, is our biggest it's our biggest problem to be honest
0: and it's individual so it's not like the education system where one works for everybody so i love that it's very tailored so Today's episode, I want to I wanna learn from you how we take this intuition of ours and how it helps us with our mental health. So with like our anxiety, our depression, things like that. So I suffer from anxiety and depression. Yep. And before we started recording, you were talking about the different types of anxiety. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that so that people... If, if people are unclear, if, you know, they've even experienced, or some people may be really clear because it hits you in the face and you live with it every day.
1: Ego yeah. general anxiety, which is everybody has some, at some point in their life where they fe- they're they feeling a little bit off- offset or a bit out of tune with what's going on. They may get a little bit irritated. or And these are all anxiety signs that you maybe get a little bit anxious about a situation. You may be in a situation where something happens. You start to get fearful or fight fight about it. That's creating an anxiety energy within you. And if it happens often enough, it can become even, get more and worse. Being in a social situation where you're not comfortable around certain people, they can create. Uh, you're in a crowd and you don't like crowd. They call it social phobias. That can create anxieties. And then they can. The, if you, if you don't get it dealt with early enough, it gets worse, worse and worse. Because the more your mind starts to focus on these fearful this situation, the more they get stronger. Because each time you think about it, each time you reinforce it, your mind develops a stronger link to it. And when you add emotions of any kind to it. See, emotion is the biggest key to driving something into the unconscious mind. So when you're fearful or you're you're in a social event and that then becomes locked in, it drives it straight. So every little thing that happens socially then becomes a big, it comes from there and it becomes massive. No matter how small it is, it's like any trauma. Most traumas are seconds. When you talk to somebody that's suffering from trauma it took the whole day mm. but it's only seconds i've seen that where one guy when we narrowed it down it was about maybe half a minute But as far as he's concerned it was from morning till night
2: mm.
1: this is a but you, you also got panic attacks and these panic attacks can come from any form of situation and they could have happened when that child was young uh, the young lady came to me for was afraid of thunder and lightning it happened when she was four years old she got left on the beach it was thunder and lightning what's a four-year-old gonna feel he got all this noise around her so i created a cartoon image hmm. and i actually told her that it was mr thunder and mrs lightning having a fight <laughs> just cracking up laughing on so you it's finding ways of actually so that's another you, you, you know all kinds of phobias you know stress i believe most or if not all health situation has an underlying element of stress and we all live with some form of stress some people learn to live with such a high level of stress they don't even realize how much damage it's doing to their body so these are all things that we have and to me learning to keep to keep yourself still spend sometimes it only takes five minutes to close your eyes and shut your shut light shut the world out it can re-energize and revitalize people People don't take time to smell. There's a saying, take time to smell the roses. And it, not enough people take time to do that. Most of us don't even see the roses. And it's, it's exactly that. And that's where, you know, most people think they have to meditate for a long time. Five, 10, 15 minutes a day is more than enough. And meditation is the map necessarily quietening your mind meditation is about getting your mind focused in a particular level yes the not mind will always get noisy And first of all it starts off with noisy but if you stay with it then the, the mind will start to quiet down so it's just about giving the mind time to get used to the idea of sitting still it'll start to say something and you say okay it's fine, we'll deal with that in a minute. You go back. And every time the mind interrupts or the extra, you just say, Oh, we'll deal with that in five minutes and we'll go-, we'll go back. And each time you do that, it gets less and less and less. And after a while, you'll find you can go in and it's like, is that like 15 minutes already? Mm. You think oh, that was quick.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, but it's almost like there, there's two things here. So there's one, what do you do in the moments of the panic attack? And what do you do to prevent? So I think the meditation really works well. Like for me personally, everybody is different. But yeah. for me, it helps prevent things from becoming bigger. Yeah. But when I'm in a panic attack, sometimes I can't. I can't be still.
1: Okay. You see, you, see, you just said a, 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 an idea of what everybody says. Can't. Can't.
0: Yes, you're can't. right.
1: The instant you tell yourself you can't, Guess what you've just done? You've reprogrammed yourself too. So yes. you get into it and automatically your mind already says, you can't. Thank you for pointing that out. So when something's happening, of course you can find, con- but you like you say, because we're in such a fearful situation, there's a number of things people can do. And some people will tell you, you can put a rubber band on your wrist, and just pull it and it just it's just that sudden little shock you've got a situation where you can actually um create things that you can say for instance you can start to think about something that's good in your life or find nice times in your life and spend time so one of the things i do when i teach people is i, I get them to actually relax Find a nice positive time in their life, a good time in their life when they were happy, peaceful. And then I get them to put their first finger and thumb together. Now you can do this walking down the road, Mm. (laughs) first finger and thumb together. And as they put the first finger and thumb together, they lock that into every single muscle cell in their their body. And then once they've got that set, you get them to increase it 10 times stronger. And they relax, let go of the fingers, and I get them to actually start to think of maybe the anxiety time or something that triggers an anxiety.
2: Mm. And as
1: soon as they start to feel the anxiety coming in, I get them to then place that first finger and thumb together, and as they do so, it then allows them to pull in that positive information I gave them.
0: Mm. So Vernon, thank you so much for sharing those tools with us. And I just, I want to know, does hypnotherapy, can that help when someone is suffering from
1: anxiety? Hypnotherapy can help with literally, I don't think there's many things we can't help with. The thing is, not every hypnotherapist <laughs> can help everyone because yeah. The thing is you have to find someone. That's why I do a 30-minute taster session. Because I don't want to waste people's time and I don't want them to waste my time. So I give them an opportunity to, to see me so I can and talk to me and then they can decide whether I'm the person they want to work with and vice versa. Because at the end of the day, certain people, I don't you don't not everybody you it's not everyone that you can gel with. Yes, it's of course to, or it's, it's not going to happen because first thing is people's got to trust you they have to have faith and belief that you can help them and that's that's my job when I when I speak to people in that 30minute taste session they can actually know me get to know me and I can get to know them
2: mm-hmm. I
1: can make decisions from that whether I can take them with and I uh, most of the time I work with people if I can't help them, if I can't see massive change within the first four sessions, I've got to be start looking at what's not happening and what either I've been given all the right information. Right. So that's, that's, that's what that's about. So yes, it's very, very little things that hypnotherapy can't work with if the, and again, the person's got to be willing to do some of the work.
0: I was going to say, we can't, you know we need a community sometimes or a coach or a therapist somebody to help us along the journey but before we even get there we have to choose we want our life to be different our problem to be solved we want to we need to make the decision that we're no longer going to be sabotaging our own life you know it's it's a hard step to take um it is it's a hard step to take to to say Like with me, I'm just going to give you an example. So before I learned all of these things, you know, so I had a lot of anxiety and it, then I got depressed because I'm like, oh, people think I'm crazy. So I must be crazy. And now I've got a label. We were talking about that and, and crazy. And why do I have to have this label of being crazy? And then I'm like, well, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't help myself So even if I go see somebody, nothing's going to change because I don't think it will change. Then I went from, okay, I'm worth more than this life that I'm giving myself. I deserve to be happy. I am not crazy. My anxiety doesn't define me. It's something that comes up for me. It's not who I am. And as soon as I started separating those two things, I allowed myself to make that important decision. Then I could go and get help, whether it was medication, anxiety groups, um, different people to talk to. So I think that's a really big
1: step. It, 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 it is a big step because at the end of the day, no one can help you until you decide that you need help. Mm-hmm. An alcoholic can't be helped by anyone unless they actually reach a point where they says, you know what? it's it's like take for instance one of my brothers recently he came to that conclusion Mm. he's now in a position where he's making a a change but until you make until someone makes that decision that it's no good it's like a lot of smokers they come to me they want to give up smoking question is do you want to give up smoking or are you giving it up for someone else yes because a lot of the time some people will give up smoking because they've been nagged by their wives they've been nagged by their children they've been nagged funny thing i was nagged by my children to give up smoking and later on one of us well, we started smoking but they've now given up thank god for that <laughs> but this is the yeah. point you've got to do it for yourself because if you don't do it for yourself it's not going to work it, yes. it doesn't matter which coach you go to yeah whether you go to coach or a mentor, or guru, or a therapist. If you're not ready to change, it's not going to happen.
0: Yes. And, And being ready to change doesn't mean you have all the answers. It just means that, see, so one of the things we talked about is ending loneliness and this feeling of isolation. So this is how I feel, that this decision has to be made in isolation. It has to be made with you and you. But once you've made this choice, you cannot do it alone. You do need to reach out to people. And I love that. That's what you do, that you help people with this. And this is the point.
1: Until we get it in here, that we are the only one responsible for ourselves. And this is the biggest thing. It's taking responsibility for who we are. And... We're where we are, and again, so many people look back at their past and they say, Oh, it's my mom, or it's my dad, or it's my this, or it's my." they blame other people for where they are. But what they forget is that those people, for instance, leaving my mom's house five years after leaving my mom's house, I can't blame her for my life anymore because I've just started everything. So you've you've got to look, you've got to look at the fact that those things were your foundation. You have got to decide, do I keep blaming my past for who I am or do I start thinking, hold on, that was 5, 10, 15 or 20 years ago, 50 or 60 years ago. Why am I still blaming my past for who Mm -hmm. I am?
0: I love that. I love that you say that because all those people and caregivers and people that, are with us when we're growing up they're very important influencers in who we are that's right but it doesn't mean they did everything right it doesn't mean we have to believe their beliefs it takes a big person and a grown-up person to realize you can break free from that and what you said is so important because until you do that you know it's important to realize where you came from but take what you want and leave what you don't
1: and I agree with that because that was one of one of the things I actually because of my own experience. I reached a point when my children reached the age of 16, 17, I gave them permission to go live their life. Mm. If they need me, they know where I was. But at the same time, I needed them to go out there, knock their heads, stub their toe, make their mistakes. And when things got a little bit too tough, they can always reach out and say, Hey, daddy, I need a bit of help in hand here. And that was fine. And that's why I'm now proud of my kids because they,
2: if, it I out. Wasn't,
1: if I wasn't here anymore, mm-hmm. they don't need me. Yeah. And that was the whole point. They don't need me. They can make their own way, they have control of their life.
0: And that's not, that's not an easy thing as a parent, because I have a 16 year old boy upstairs right now. And although I completely agree how important what you just said is, it's not an easy thing as a parent, but it's, it's something that's necessary. And sometimes it's the difficult things that bring the biggest gifts.
1: Yes. Because, had I not gone through some of my big things, and had I not gone through some of my traumas, had I not gone through the point of having to sleep in my car at one point, mm. I wouldn't be the person I am today. Yes. So, at the end of the day, those things are the, it's like a diamond, it's a piece of coal that's been put under pressure. And that's what we are. We're all diamonds in the raft. But in order for us to bring our diamond, make our diamond shine, we have to be put under pressure. Mm. And then we have to be polished and refined. And that's what that's what life's about. My ideal situation, we're all on a journey. Some journeys are short, some journeys are long. It's not the journey, it's what you do on that journey. And If I can help someone to change, transform their journey from being miserable to being happy. You see, I could tell people, if I tell people my age, (laughs) most people struggle with it. Why? Because, you see, I've, I've, I've laughed all my life. Everywhere you see me, I'm smiling. Because you know what? Life's too short. I wake up in the morning, it's the best day. It's the best morning every morning I wake up. It could be raining, it could be snowing, it could be freezing. It's still the best morning. Why? Because I open my eyes one more time, one other day. And more people. the more I can help people to understand, just taking the first breath in the morning, when you wake up, is the best day of your life. So every day is the best day of my life, even when life is crap.
0: I love that. I love that mindset because not every day literally is a great day. But if you change the way you think about it, and if you're grateful, you know, life is so short. And we say that like it means nothing. But when you lose a loved one, and you're looking at someone or something happens tragically in your life, you're reminded of how short that is so instead of looking at as a negative thing let's just remember the gift in that let's just remember you know do the meditations in the morning figure out your specific way you know it may be uh, one thing for one person and a different way for somebody else figure out what works for you so that you can start the morning like that
1: that's what i've done throughout my life and that's what i'm saying Mm. you know when i i I get up in the morning i open the curtains and i I'm grateful to actually have that, that that light coming through. I'm grateful that I can see mm. I can breathe that fresh air in. And this is something that people don't take time because we're so busy rushing. You know the the, the funny thing is when people slow down and take their time, they get more done than they than when they're rushing around. <laughs> and yeah, i i i was i, I was a, a servicing engineer working on i was working on a power supply and i was around there for four three hours trying to find this phone on a power supply which only had a, hasn't got a lot of components in it i went away and had a cup of tea i went back and i looked in the power supply and, I, and as soon as i looked in the power supply i saw the phone. <laughs> Sometimes we're so focused on something. We create an expanse of time. So I say to people when something isn't working out, just step away from it for a few minutes, go have a cup of tea, a coffee, whatever, and then come back and look at it again, and you guarantee you probably find the answer, you find a solution there. there Yes.
2: For me,
0: it's putting together furniture. I get so frustrated. I just got to, you know, the other day I was looking in my car for my phone with my flashlight from my phone in my hand and i was like but i'm holding my phone looking using it as a flashlight because our minds are so full and the more full they are the less we have room for new experiences we need to empty that
1: and that's what meditation is about Mm. you see if you take a cup it's already full you cannot pour anything else back into that cup so the only thing you can do is to empty the cup and you can fill it up again mm. and most of us don't take that time
0: and not just fill it up but fill it up with cleaner water with fresher thoughts
1: and that's it and that is the beauty of it is actually and don't be afraid to go and ask for help that's mm. the, you know most people are afraid of actually been looked down on but if you don't ask for help no one's going to help you if you don't put yourself out there and yes you may feel vulnerable but there are enough people out there caring loving people who are willing to give you the time of day Mm. and it's finding those people so one person don't help you there are plenty more
2: yeah absolutely because you're
1: worth it
0: you know if nothing
1: changes nothing changes exactly you know it's no good doing the same thing every day you're going to get the same results every day now i spend a lot of time listening to stuff so i just like hang around every day don't do much else but unless i change something it's not going to change i'm going to still end up being the same way you know i I can live what as i think forbes I heard this from she says you can live one day, 365 times, Mm. (laughs) or you can live 365
0: different days. I love that. That is a perfect way to explain how I want to live. Like, it's so clear. I haven't heard that before, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Somebody once told me, you know, whether you believe in God or a different power or whatever it is, your religious beliefs at the time that you pass away, what if somebody were to hand you that person were to hand you this piece of paper and they would have said to you, so Nellia, Vernon, this is what your life was meant to be. What happened?
1: (laughs) It's like, you know, (laughs) you see, I, going on, on that same subject I like Shakespeare's concept is that the whole world is a stage mm. I'm the star in my own play yes and I determine who I bring into my life and who well keep out of my life every actor I actually bring into my life whether male or female I've attracted them they each have a role And you get to choose who your character is, yes? And you also choose how they're going to interact with you, because your thinking determines their behavior towards you. Most people think somebody who hurt them, it's them that's hurt, but I asked them to hurt me. You allowed it exactly so if i don't take responsibility for the fact that i brought them in and they've actually hurting me for my ex- an experience mm-hmm. and this is why now i don't i don't have enemies i don't hate i don't the word hate, Beautiful. The, the word hate is a strong one a, a very strong emotional word i might not like somebody i might not like their behavior but I don't hate anyone because why would I hate anyone? We're all God's children. If you want to, if you want to use them, God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They've done if they've hurt me. It's because I've allowed them to, and I have to make a choice to deal with it. and Ask myself why did I allow it? Because it only happened because of me, not because of them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to do.
0: Yeah, because again, try not to blame yourself. Just realize.
1: If you can
0: see it, yes. If you can acknowledge it, then you can change it. You can prevent it. There's so many things. I'm really interested in your answer to this question because I sometimes ask my guests, not all the time, but I'm interested in your answer. So what would you say is the biggest gift you have ever given yourself that has changed your opinion of who you are, that has let you live a different, better life for yourself?
1: My biggest gift that I give to myself, um, I would have to say it's accepting who I am, being hmm. acceptance of my knowing my, I want, I'm not going to call it weakness, knowing the parts of me that are not working for me being aware of them, and doing whatever it takes to change them to where I believe I desire to be, seeing who I truly, and I know in my being now where I'm heading, but it's taken me a lot of years. And it takes courage to do that. It does. I've been working on myself from age 35.
0: You look 35 now, Vernon. Come on. (laughs) Look at this contagious smile. If you guys are listening to this on Apple, go check it out on YouTube because he's got the best beautiful smile ever.
1: (laughs) Okay. I was 35 when I started working on myself. And I've been working on myself over 35 years. So you can understand. Come on. (laughs) Come
0: on. Okay. We got to do everything he's telling us. Come on, people.
1: Uh, Well, put it this way. My biggest change, transformation took place when I was 50.
2: Mm.
1: And that, funnily enough, came from a situation in my family. And I had to realize that the only person that I could be responsible for was me. When I say my family, I'm talking about my siblings, my brothers and so forth. It's a that's another story for another time. But that situation happened. And I really had to look at myself and look at me.
2: Mm.
1: Who am I? what was why do I did I need my mother's approval at 50. Mm. that's crazy oh why am I looking for a daddy figure at 50. wow but that came from my childhood
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I didn't feel I had a dad or a, a father figure it took me a lot of years to realize that I don't need a father figure it took me to the age of 50 to realize I didn't need my mom's approval for anything Mm -hmm. so that is really um, where my biggest transformation took that's when I shifted
2: Mm. in my
1: life, that's when I really started to look at myself and thought and now I've got uh, a lady, Forbes Riley she is a phenomenal coach and working with her over the last year has really accelerated my, my, my life, the way I think, the way I feel and what I like about her is that she's a no-nonsense kind of woman. Yes, I love it. She doesn't pull her punches. You either like her or you don't. It doesn't really matter to her. And that's what I love about her. Some might say she's got a masculine energy to her, but I love, I love her straight up front. Honest. Oh, so honest. No
0: fakeness. People. It's just tell what? it like it is. But you know why? Because she wants to help people. And that's
1: what I like and because fat and get a, to it. Because I'm a helper, yeah. I resonate with her because nothing. Actually, I printed up a couple of a couple of testimonies that I've been given, and one of them was by a guy named Anthony. He says, "I was skeptical about it. Working with you, but excited." Working with you, Vernon, was very good. It made me feel easy from the start. Mm. I was able to talk to 150 people at an event, enjoying it as well. It was the best moments of my of my life. That was just one simple situation of someone who helped to actually get over the fear of public speaking.
0: It's beautiful because I know the fear of public speaking. <laughs> and it's big. And behind that testimonial is an actual person, you know. These aren't about numbers, they're about people. And in changing that person's confidence, it takes them further than just that room of speaking. It takes them as a different figure in the family. It takes, you know, their children look at
1: them differently. There's so many things that come out of that. And that's what I want. That That's why I went into this, because I know it wasn't just about that person. It's every other person they touch after I've helped them to lift themselves. and I've had so many clients like that. One gentleman he trans- he changed he, he earned my fee mm. by claiming back stuff from insurance companies that after working with me. Wow so that that's the power of once people change, they can start to see things that they didn't see before. And it's like dry it's like your car I, bought, I got my I bought a Mercedes I wanted a Mercedes <laughs> until I actually bought my Mercedes I never saw this Mercedes my same model Mercedes <laughs> I was thinking where, where did it all come from it's, true. it's so true it's like
0: the importance of understanding yourself will change it's the biggest thing to change your life yes because if you don't understand who you are you cannot forgive you cannot look forward you cannot rise up you cannot do so many things and you end up living one day 365
1: times and there's a saying <clears throat> about are you going to be and are you going to end up in your grave saying i wish i had Mm. Or you go in and end up in your grave saying, I've done everything that I set out to do. I've had a great life. That's and what I want. Most. Have a great life. Live your life. Live every day like it's the last. And the way you choose,
0: not how other people tell you. Exactly. You don't have to conform to everybody's schedule. Do things in your own time, in your own
1: way. You don't have to conform to anybody's standards or anybody's timetable. Because you know what? It is actually down to you. You have more control over your life than you ever realize. Mm. And we just don't realize it because we're not taught to. We're taught to hustle and bustle (laughs) and run to other people's timetables. And that's all right if you want to live that way. But if you don't want to live that way, you need to find ways of actually stepping out of your comfort your comfort zone Hmm. that's the hard part stepping out of that comfort zone because everything you want to achieve in your life is outside your comfort zone it's true nothing is going to happen to you if you're going to sit in that little circle that Mm. makes you feel safe
0: yeah life becomes boring right life becomes boring you know You were talking about language, and you called me out, which I'm really happy that you did about the I can't. And just changing our language is huge. Like, people say, oh, I'm working on myself. That sounds negative to me. It's more like you're discovering who you are.
1: Like, that sounds so much more positive. (laughs) That's right, because at the end of the day, I discovered at a very young age, well, in my teens, that I was able... To help other people find answers
2: mm.
1: to their challenges i don't the, the, the word problems doesn't compute in my head anymore their challenges their situations that are looking for solutions mm-hmm. and i found that i could help i used to help a lot of my teenage friends with this with finding their solutions i wasn't trained i just got instinctive answers to what they wanted
0: and you know life is not math you know there's not always one answer one solution to the problem
1: no and this this is the point is knowing that that that's the case that it's not no one situation suits all each situation is different each person is individual and we have to look at that Look at life from that point of view. So, all the health issues we have around us, if we have a health issue, we've attracted it. The anxiety, we've attracted it. You know, I love Louise Hay. She was a brilliant woman. But if people read her life story, it was horrendous. Been raped at age six, traumatized for a number of years where she wasn't able to speak. Then ended up with cancer, I believe, in her mid-30s and curing herself because she realized that all the trauma that she had as a child had created the cancer in her body. Mm. She lived to the age of 80 plus. The doctors probably wouldn't have given a chance to live in past 40 (laughs) at that time. It's remarkable. It's remarkable what the mind can do with the body. And that is the point I'm trying to get people that's what i want to get across here today is your mind when you learn to use it is the most powerful tool because Joseph spencer repaired his spine in six places using his mind mm. can you imagine how powerful the mind is We just don't we're not taught to use it yeah we're, we're not taught, taught to be thinkers and that's that's where education yes. is changing our educational system is changing
0: massively. Wow, Vernon, you've really enlightened me. I really, really enjoyed and learned from you today. Enjoyed this conversation. You are a lovely human being. And I just, I feel your energy, like you said, through the screen. And I want people to really take notes of some of the things we said today. And I just, I love when, I know that episodes are going to help the listeners cuz I know it's helped me and you know I just I appreciate you coming here today and is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to leave us with today
1: just a, just a curious situation um and I, this this is to with parents and children have you ever wondered have you ever noticed when you tell a child don't spill that drink <laughs> it spells. <laughs> i guarantee you the instant you say this spirit uh, can i try and explain my understanding of that yes we use the word don't if you actually separate them it's do not when you put them together the subconscious mind doesn't recognize it mm. so what the subconscious mind hears is instead of hearing don't spill that drink the word d- the word don't goes that way and he has spill that drink interesting <laughs> that's I funny have, i have observed it so many times <laughs> so true don't spill that drink oops
0: like you're bringing something that somebody wasn't even thinking about to the forefront of their
1: thoughts right and so when you say to a child, don't spill the drink, be just be aware. You're not telling them not to because they can't. And the child, it's only the subconscious that's controlling its behavior at that time. I argue it mind. happens. I argue it happens with my husband too. Husband, oh. don't spill the drink. <laughs> yeah. Don't trip
0: over the plant. Oh, there we go.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. You know,
0: <laughs> just
2: <the best>. a
1: <laughs> So it's just about finding other ways of actually expressing those things. Our language is important. Become becomes so crystal clear about what we... Even I still make mistakes, and my sister will say to me, eh, or my boss, my group will tell me, Vernon, but it's about being able to accept the fact that somebody's reminding you of a language that you're using that's not to your benefit. Mm. And the our language is possible that language is one of our, the worst form of communication, because it mis- it's misinterpreted in so many formats and so many ways. And that's why it's so easy for us to make mistakes and create problems for ourselves. So,
0: yeah, misunderstandings, stop. there's so many things. I truly have an easier time communicating through music than I do with language.
1: Well, it's easy because music arts. is an emotion mm-hmm. works from your emotion words are hearing and it it depends on your thinking how it's interpreted if i said some i can say some one thing to someone and they accept it <laughs> and i can say it to them but in a different way and i make them angry
0: but I think that goes back to influence again. What we learned, what experiences we had, how our parents spoke to us, how they didn't speak to us—all of those things. So if we can tell what they are and recognize them, then we yeah. can choose again what we, how we respond to things in our life right now in our present situation.
1: The other little thing I want, I, I'd like to is the word no. How many times in a child's life does it get told no? Mommy, can I have a... No. Can I go out? No. (laughs) Daddy, no. (laughs) And then we spend our lives now being afraid of hearing the word no in our adult adult life. How many times have we as adults Mm. been afraid of hearing the word no? Yes. Even from those childhood. this is what I'm saying. When you become aware of those things... It gives you permission to change them. So just all I'm actually saying, just be aware of where our fears, our anxieties are coming from. Uh I I work with a young lady who was a, who came to me because her brother uh, had I dealt with him from fear of flying. Mm. He said sister from fear of flying. When I took her into a uh, hypnosis state, I asked her where she. On the plane, she's a little girl. She was about seven. She's running around on the plane, enjoying herself. And I says, "Okay, so who around you is a is is afraid of flying?" She says, "My mom." When she came out, that was the only session she ever did with me, because instant she realized she wasn't the one that was afraid. It broke the taboo of fear of flying interesting we just have to sometimes look back or even be aware of where those things come from Mm -hmm. once we acknowledge them we can let them go no well change the
0: show change the show (laughs) in
1: the stage of life exactly so i i hope that i've what i've given is helpful to a lot of people out there and the aim was to give as much as possible and hopefully as they listen to it again, they'll get more and more from it. So I've been, it's been brilliant. I've loved it.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. And yeah, of course you gave everything. That I mean, you know, I want people, so where can people find you? I know that you're offering a taster.
1: I call it a taster session. uh, They can actually go to my website, which is www.thetherapy.com odd.co.uk.
0: Wonderful. I'm going to put all the links there for you and I really want people to connect with you. Sometimes people are afraid to reach out because they think that you know, oh my goodness, if I reach out with this with this person and it doesn't work or if we don't jive or if I reach out to this person they just want my money. It's not life is not about that. We have to start thinking about things in different ways. Okay, and if you haven't learned that through this episode, we need to hear it again, because obviously Vernon is a very easy person to talk to. He's a human being just like us. He's very easily approachable. He's interested. He's helpful. He's genuine. So just have a conversation with him. You know, what do you got to lose? Just reach out to him. And you may be very pleasantly surprised in uh, what you learn about yourself. So thank you. Thank you, Vernon, thank you. so much.
1: My pleasure. I have It's been a pleasure spending time with you and talking to you. Thank and, you. And I, I, as I said, my love goes out to everybody that listens to it, whether it's now or later. And thank you again for listening. Pleasure
0: is all mine. Thank you, Vernon. I knew you were the right person to come on here today. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts
2: With You podcast.